In Charles Dickens' classic tale, A Christmas Carol, the miserable, stingy Ebenezer Scrooge was blind to what really mattered. He couldn't see the beauty around him. He could see it, but he couldn't appreciate it. Beauty was lost on him. He began to believe the world revolved around his business, making and saving money. The poor and unfortunate people around were a drain on society. It took the ghost of Christmas present to open his eyes and to show him the world didn't revolve around him, and the poor, the lonely, the hurting, the broken deserve to be loved. The ghost of Christmas present awakened him to his potential. He had the ability to change the future lives of many people. There is a little bit of Ebenezer in all of us. He's in you and he's in me. At times, it takes someone special to step into our lives and show us how foolish and blind we've become, to show us how unwise are some of the decisions we are making, to wake us up to the beauty all around. So grab a Bible, a notepad, whatever you must, and follow along as we jump into Christmas at the Movies Part 3, A Christmas Carol. by three spirits. I'd rather not. I am the ghost of Christmas past. Ah! Haunt me no longer! Holiday season, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, <laughs> and future. Get away! Get away! Will give one man that chance. Disney's A Christmas Carol. What if you were given a second chance to get your life right? Wow, we would all benefit from an opportunity like that, wouldn't we? We make the most important decisions of our lives when we are the most immature, unwise, and inexperienced. Between the ages of 18 and 25, many of us choose our partners for marriage, if we continue our education or not, our career path, we purchase our homes and even begin a family. And many of us were grossly inexperienced and unwise between the ages of 18 and 25. It's why a lot of us made poor choices then and were continuing to feel the pain today. You married the first person who told you he or she loved you, and then you woke up a few years later and thought, what was I thinking? You goofed around in high school, failed to get the grades needed for college, and then thought, man, I wish I could do that all over. You made poor financial decisions, got yourself into debt, and now it's all coming down upon you and you're in a world of hurt. Wouldn't it be cool if we could live life backwards? You'd be old and wise in high school. You wouldn't go out and drink and stay up late and do dumb stuff. Then you'd get an incredible education, stay out of debt, 
marry the right person, then later in life, as you grow younger, you'd have plenty of money, buy lots of expensive toys, enjoy an amazing marriage, and be young enough and energetic enough to appreciate it all. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's never going to happen. But this could. What if someone could step into your life, someone wise, someone who has been there, done that, and someone who could guide you to make healthy decisions, could provide wisdom for you while you're making the critical choices of life? If someone would have done that for you when you were in high school or college, your life would probably be different now, wouldn't it? I know my life would. In fact, my life is different because someone did that for me at a critical point. When I was a sophomore in college, I was confused about life. I wasn't sure which road to take. I was afraid to make the wrong decision. I was indecisive. I was fearful. I lacked a mentor, a guide, a wise person to help me make good decisions. But one day after class, a professor noticed some of the emotional storms within me and decided to get involved. He remained after class and deposited wisdom, opened up parts of my heart and emotions and spiritual life that I had never knew existed. He shared his life with me. That one conversation cleared out some fog. He cared enough to get involved. And some 30 years later, I'm still grateful. I have always wanted to be that kind of person to someone else. I desire to be the kind of person who speaks life and hope and vision into those around me. I've always wanted to be the person who encourages, yet challenges people to make the right choice, to avoid landmines that might explode and destroy their marriages or finances or health. Unfortunately, when people are young, they don't want to listen. So as a pastor, I get the honor of trying to help people piece their lives back together again after things fall apart. And here's the harsh reality. Some of us are in our 30s and are making some poor decisions. Others of us are in our 40s and we ought to know better, but we continue to do stupid, destructive stuff. When I was talking about how unwise and inexperienced we remain in our 20s, you were thinking through the decisions of your past, wishing you could change them, yet ignoring some equally poor decisions you're currently making. Some of us simply do not realize we have the opportunity to change our future and the future of others around us by simply making better choices. What if someone could enter into your life, marriage, family, career, stand at the crossroads and say, hey, you might not want to go that way. It's much better if you go the opposite direction. The rewards are fabulous. Wouldn't that be incredible? Now, let's raise it up a little. What if that person wasn't just anybody? What if that person was God? What if God stepped into space and time and walked into your life right now and spoke with you about where you are and the choices you're currently making? How differently would you live after that conversation? What would you stop doing? What would you start doing? How would you view your life, your future, the people around you? How all of that would change? There's a story in Luke 19 where God steps into the life of a guy who was just like Ebenezer Scrooge. He was obsessed with his life, his stuff. Everything revolved around him. It's the story of a guy named Zacchaeus. Like Ebenezer, he was one of the most despised people of his day. Why? He was a tax collector, which means basically he had the license to steal. Here's how it worked. Zacchaeus was given permission from Rome to collect taxes. 
So let's say he would say, okay, you owe $700 to Rome for taxes. Well, in reality, it was only $500, but he would tack on another $200 for personal profit. He was a legalized criminal and everybody hated him. Zacchaeus heard a lot about Jesus, and when he learned Jesus was coming to Jericho, Zacchaeus wanted to go and meet him. Word got around about the exact route Jesus was taking, so Zacchaeus hurried over to the side of the road, hopeful to catch a glimpse of this guy who was stirring up a frenzy everywhere. But when he arrived, the crowds were much larger than he anticipated, and Zacchaeus had a problem. Since there were so many people around Jesus, it was difficult for Zacchaeus to see. So Zacchaeus climbs up into a tree. Now, I don't know this to be exact, but I doubt Zacchaeus expected much to result from seeing Jesus pass. I think Zacchaeus went so he could learn a little bit about a guy who was rising in popularity. But Jesus had a different plan. While Zacchaeus is sitting on the limb watching Jesus walk by, Jesus shocks him by coming over to where Zacchaeus is sitting in the tree. I wonder what that moment must have been like. Just imagine it with me. Here's Zacchaeus. Uh, here he comes, here he comes, act normal. And he's just kind of whistling. Jesus sees Zacchaeus in the tree. Zacchaeus, do you hang out in trees a lot? Zacchaeus says, well, you know, Jesus, you gotta do what you gotta do. And then Jesus says something amazing. Come on down from there, Zacchaeus. I wanna go over to your house and I wanna talk with you. And while I'm there, you can cook me some dinner. And that's exactly what happened. Zacchaeus climbs out of the tree and Jesus goes over to Zach's house and they eat together. I want us to go back to the beginning of this passage and notice a few sweet spots that we might miss. In Luke 19, let me just read the story to you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? Remember this. Jesus is always making himself the guest of a sinner, and people are always going to talk about it. We don't know what Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about. We can only guess. If Jesus came over to your house and sat down with you in your living room and enjoyed a cup of coffee, what would you guys talk about? Marriage? Money? Sex? The Bible? Politics? More than likely, there was a little bit of all of that in their discussion that afternoon. How do I know? Well, I don't know the details. But I do know that after Jesus and Zacchaeus were finished talking, Zacchaeus had an epiphany about life, about himself, about the future, about everything. As a result of that conversation, everything changes for Zacchaeus. Here's what Zacchaeus did. In verse 8 of Luke 19, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I wonder what Jesus talked with Zacchaeus about that would cause that kind of reaction. I wonder what picture Jesus painted for Zacchaeus that would provoke him to want to give half of everything he had. What did Jesus say to inspire Zacchaeus to pay back four times anything that he had stolen? Talking about an ability to receive an offering, that's incredible. When the conversation ended, Zacchaeus was like, 
uh, Jesus, all of a sudden, these, these things that were so important to me have shifted. My whole life has been about money and image and security. But after listening to you today, after hearing what you had to say, that stuff doesn't hold me anymore. And so everything I have, half, I give to you. Now, like I said, we don't know what Jesus spoke with Zacchaeus about, but my guess is that Jesus looked Zacchaeus in the eye and he said something like this. Zacchaeus, you're a wealthy, influential man. And in this community, you have a lot of uh, power and authority. And you have the ability to impact people, to lead people to God, to change people's lives. And you're not doing it. You're wasting your opportunities. And just like the ghost of the Christmas present did with Scrooge, Jesus helped Zacchaeus realize what life was about, and he challenged him to get involved. And Zacchaeus did. And then what does Jesus say? Verse 9, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to your home, Zacchaeus. The encounter Zacchaeus had with Jesus opened his eyes to his potential. He had money. And I would guess that he never considered his money as a tool that could be used for good. He used his money to always further his own personal agenda. But the encounter Zacchaeus had with Jesus changed the lives and futures of people all around Jericho. Think of someone local whom you consider to be wealthy. How much are they worth? Let's, let's assign them a net worth of a million dollars. If he or she gave half, that's $500,000. Would it make a difference in your community? Many people within this community could be greatly impacted with that kind of money. Of this, I'm certain. If Jesus sat down in your home and had coffee with you and discussed your life, your money, your family, your priorities, your spending habits, your calendar, if Jesus discussed those things with you, I'm convinced everything would change. I'm certain you would use your money differently. I'm certain you would use your time differently. I'm certain you would see people differently. I'm certain you would see politics differently. I'm certain you would be radically changed. Zacchaeus was radically changed. Before meeting Jesus, people were nothing more than opportunities to tax. After meeting Jesus, people were opportunities to show love and generosity. My guess is that after Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus' popularity improved. Rather than hating on him, people began to love him. That's exactly what happened in the life of Ebenezer Scrooge. Before his visit with the ghost of Christmas present, he saw his employee, Bob Cratchit, as a lazy, wasteful man. He viewed orphans as a drain on society. He thought letting a few poor children die would help decrease the overcrowded streets. But then... When he realized his potential, he was wealthy, he was skilled in business, he was influential within his city. Scrooge began to see everyone differently and got involved and made a significant difference. Here's what I know about many of you. You have no idea about your potential. You have abilities, skills, talents, experience that you've never considered using as a tool for good. But when we encounter Jesus, when Jesus sits at our tables, on our couches, in our family rooms, and you and I and Jesus discuss life, when we encounter Jesus, not church, not religion, not a system, but Jesus and his body, we will see life differently. 
We will see our money differently, our time differently, and the lives of people throughout this community would radically change. Also, notice the joy and delight Zacchaeus had to give away his money. Here's what he says. Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's what I want for you. Not only getting involved in the lives of people and making a difference, but experiencing joy while doing it. I can't tell you how many people comment about the joy they experience when it comes to buying gifts for the Angel Project. I've had person after person tell me, it's the favorite gift they buy all year. That's what I want for you. Well, Scott, how do we go about discovering it? <laughs> well, here are three areas uh, to which you need to pay attention. If you can line up these three areas, you very well may have the place where you can make the most difference in the lives of most people. First, pay attention to the needs around you. Trust me on this. Your purpose, your cause, your reason, your mission will have something to do with alleviating human need of one type or another. In the New Testament, every time someone began to follow Jesus, they participated in meeting people's needs all around. Number two, pay attention to desire and urgency within you. Stay alert to the needs you witness and how those needs spark your imagination and passion. Because every now and then, a particular need will capture you more than others. So ask, where do I have a passion to accomplish certain dreams? What circumstances arouse my desire to respond? It could be when you're driving through the city and notice a need, and suddenly your heart is ignited. You could be sitting in a meeting, having a discussion with someone, and the conversation turns toward a Stop. Back up. It could be when you're driving through the city and notice a need, and suddenly your heart is ignited. You could be sitting in a meeting having a discussion with someone and the conversation turns toward a specific need within a group of people and you can't help but be moved with compassion and feel an urgency to do something. And number three, pay attention to the pain and suffering you have endured. What pain have you endured throughout your life that you would never want someone else to endure? Have you been abused? Have you been part of a loveless marriage? Have you experienced financial loss? Do you come from a torn family? What? Then get involved and help to rescue or prevent someone else from enduring the pain you've gone through. Become what I call a wounded healer. Your pain, your failures, your mistakes, your wounds, and your scars can bring healing and hope to so many. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if about 100 of us at Forest Park said, I'm doing this. I'm going to begin paying attention to what God is saying to me and allow him to accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish through me. You know what will happen? Some of you will be driving around town and see somebody without a place to stay, people who are lonely and hungry, and suddenly a spark is ignited within you, and you'll know you are supposed to do something about it. Others of you will remember what it was like to go through a terrible divorce, to watch your marriage fall apart, to see your kid's heart torn in two, and you will say, I don't want other marriages to end like this. What can I do? Or you will say, 
You know, I made horrible decisions with my finances when I was young, and I don't want to see anybody else make those kinds of decisions. What can I do? Or you'll say, when I was a kid, I was bored sitting in church. I was never captivated by the message of Jesus. Therefore, I made stupid decisions and got off track for years, and I don't want to see students walk down that same road. What can I do? Can you imagine what would happen if 100 people here at Forest Park Church began to open their heart, mind, and life and say what Zacchaeus said, here and now, I give. So let me ask, where is that for you? What are the needs around you? Pay attention to them. What needs do you see at work? What needs do you see at school? What needs do you see in your immediate community? What needs do you see when you come here to Forest Park? What ignites you? I mean, what really sparks something inside of you? Ask yourself, what makes you cry? What makes you laugh? What is it inside of you that gets emotional when you see it on television or you see it in a movie or you hear about it in a coffee shop or you read about it in an article? And the last one, what pain do you want to help heal in other people because you've gone through yourself? Can you imagine lining all of those up? I think there are people watching right now. God is speaking to you. And he wants to use you to change the lives of other people. And it's been stirring inside of you for quite some time. And you've never been able to pinpoint exactly what God wants to do. And he's speaking to you through this message. Well, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to just bring all of that to your attention. And if it's way down deep inside, he's going to lift it up to the surface. And you're going to hear it. And you're going to know what you need to do in this Christmas season in the middle of all the pain and in the middle of all the uncertainty of COVID-19 and all the restrictions and distancing we've been through, God's going to use this little message to ignite a spark and set you ablaze. And in 2021, you're going to move out and you're going to do amazing things. I just believe it. Let's pray. Father, as we've taken a look at Zacchaeus today, a man who was wrapped up in himself, a man who was full of his own pleasures, his own joys, his own things that he wanted to do in life. But you changed his life in one conversation. Father, my prayer is, as people are listening to this message, that you will start conversing with them. You'll start talking with them, as you did Zacchaeus. And you will change many of the lives of people who are watching. You will ask them some questions, and they're going to have to really struggle to answer them. You're going to highlight how we often waste so much of our life doing silly things, wasteful things. You're going to call our attention to the potential we have within us, and you're going to spark a flame, and that flame is going to grow to a roaring fire, and we're going to get busy alleviating pain in other people's lives, giving away some of our money, helping other people find their own purpose. Father, I believe with this message, you're going to change the trajectory of some people's lives for good. And as a result of that, literally thousands of other people are going to be impacted. Thank you for speaking to us today through the story of Zacchaeus. Thank you for what you're going to do through Forest Park in this entire area. We ask and believe these things in the name of Jesus. 
Amen.